Welcome back to the Thinking Theologically podcast, the show where we teach you how and why you should think theologically. I'm one of your hosts, Jack Dodgen, joined by our uh, resident theologian in training, Spencer Shaw. Spencer, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, I had a, uh, I had a, one of our members that listens to the podcast come up to okay. me on uh, Sunday, and he had a, a question for me and uh, addressed me as Mr. Theologian in Training. So you're, uh, it, it's catching on apparently. Uh, you're welcome. But that, I mean, I, I almost struggled to get it out in the, the intro here. So good luck getting it on a, a business card. You, it's, uh, it's quite a mouthful. You, you make me nervous every time we do this, whether or not you're going to make it through on the first try of introducing I'm me. say some swear word on accident or something. I'm just not going to be able to get the words out. I'm going to mess it up. But first take, first try, nailed it. Uh, and now we just have to not mess up the next 30 minutes or so. Fair. Easy. No problem. Uh, I, I do like, though, that you were addressed and then asked a question, because if anybody listening wants to address you as resident theologian in training and ask us a question, you can do that at strongchurchministries at gmail.com or get a hold of us on Facebook, either personally or uh, message us through uh, Strong Church and other places like that. Uh, you can also, as we talked about, I think probably too long. Was it the last episode? Maybe the one before that about Twitter. You can get you can get a hold of Spencer on Twitter. It was as well. I, I I believe it was last one, of which I only gained one additional follower. So hey, as far as I know, so if 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 it gained one follower, then it was all worth it, right? That's the. That's I think the, that's why discipleship why following, not Twitter oh, okay. following. But uh, okay, fair enough. Because I would like a few more but metrics. It is what for it success is. are a little different. On Twitter, probably. <laughs> Need a lot more volume there. All right. Um, last week or last episode, we, we talked about uh, what are you worshiping? We set up this uh, theme of idolatry. That was a weird sentence for me to say, but we set up this theme of idolatry uh, and wanted to compare a couple things uh, that uh, I think we often get twisted uh, and can end up worshiping the wrong thing. Uh, today we're going to deal with part two of, at the moment, uh, a four-part series, maybe more will show up, who knows. Uh, but today we're going to deal with God or or worship. Uh, we're going to pit these ideas against each other and separate them out because those can get twisted uh, oftentimes. And so uh, I think the point of this, this series is to help us understand, okay, what really am I, I doing here uh, when I when I come to worship? Where is my attention drawn to? Uh, you mentioned this in the last episode, and we talked about it before we began here, uh, of why you wanted to do a series on this stuff uh, with with all the COVID things coming into to play. Do you want to explain why why COVID kind of jump started this idea for you? Yeah. So. You know, COVID over the past year, and we've hit the year mark now, right? We're still yeah, yeah. dealing with it, but it, it there does seem to be a light at the end of the, the tunnel. Um, I actually got, about two weeks ago now, I got my first 
vaccine dose, which I've got some health issues and a compromised immune system and stuff like that. So that was big for me. Um, And so it does seem that there's a light at the end of the tunnel in all of this finally, but it COVID caused us to have to change some things to have to deal with some things that we weren't used to. Right. And right. So with some of the things that came up, some of the questions we had to ask, some of the things we had to figure out, uh, just kind of watching the the church, Christianity in general, kind of deal with these questions, it became apparent, at least to me, that I didn't think that many of us were as theologically prepared as we needed to be to address some of these questions. And so when it comes to worship, which is the, the topic that we're discussing today, which is kind of weird to say, what are you worshiping, God or worship? I mean, but um, when during COVID, you know, many, if not all of us, in ver- to varying degrees and for varying amounts of time, were forced to shut down, uh, to stop meeting for corporate worship, at least for a time. I know here where I am in Tuttle, uh, we were at the very beginning of the pandemic about a year ago, and then we were back for a little bit and had an outbreak of COVID here at church and had to shut down for another month as people got healthy and we it became safe for us as a congregation to meet again. And so we had to deal with those things, and it forced us to ask questions like, what is the purpose of worship? Why do we worship? What ought we be doing in worship as we considered whether we should shut down or not, when we should start meeting together or not, it forced us to ask these kinds of questions about our worship. And these are theological questions. You can go back to our first episode where we kind of defined theology. Theology is really asking those questions of of why. Why do we do what we do? Not really the question of what ought we to be doing, but why? And so those questions of why do we worship came up as we were trying to figure all these things out, which are theological questions. And as I said, I think many people, unfortunately, were not prepared enough to be able to theologically think about these questions. And so we were forced to maybe before we were ready. And so that's kind of where this series of lessons is coming out, is trying to help us think theologically about these questions that we were forced to address, forced to think about because of COVID. Uh, this uh, not being prepared to think about these things theologically, you can see kind of a, uh, you, you can see the physical like manifestation of that because a lot of churches scrambled to go, okay, we need to figure out like camera stuff and live streaming and other things like that. And how do we do that? And some even trying to figure out, can our websites do, can, can our websites handle this stuff? Uh, do, do we have a website that we can even use yeah. these things on? Just physically we weren't prepared because we just hadn't thought about what happens if things shut down just out of nowhere. Um, and it, it's not just churches. Uh, to in, in our defense, uh, it wasn't just churches that were faced with those questions that they weren't ready to answer yet. 
that being said, uh, that's what this show is is about uh, and trying to deal with as uh, Christians and, and churches and thinking theologically in those ways. So uh, now that we've been confronted with these questions uh, and have to think about them and want to learn from some of our mistakes, uh, let's talk about what it means to, as you said, kind of a, a weird thing to say, what does it mean to, to worship worship? Yeah, so, you know, as we dealt with these questions, right, trying to figure out what to do in the midst of, you know, a, a pandemic that was new to all of us, right, we'd never experienced anything yeah. like this. There were, there were some things that, that I saw that could be characterized as worshiping worship at, at the worst and, and at the least just a, a bad theology of worship a bad understanding of worship and trying to address some of these questions. And that just has to do with the fact that we don't worship just to worship. Uh, we don't worship merely because we have worship examples throughout Scripture. As important as that is, you know, we see those examples of the church worshiping. We understand that God wants us to worship, but that's not the only reason that we worship. It's, right. it's important that God tells us to do it, and we want to do it, but there's more going on here. Uh, we also don't just worship merely just to go through the five acts of worship, prayer, singing, preaching, Lord's Supper, giving, and then go home. I, I've i seen a, a lot that tends to approach worship in this way of, well, we worship only because God tells us to, and we worship... And so we worship only to gather together, make sure that we hit all five of these acts, and then we go home feeling good because we did what God asked us to do. And again, I want to make sure that people hear me. That's important, but that's only half of the picture, right? There's a reason yes. that God asks us and desires us to worship. And that why do we worship question, why does God want us to worship, as I said earlier, is a theological question. It forces us to think theologically about worship because there's nothing that God asks us to do that doesn't have a beneficial reason sitting behind us. God doesn't ask us to do things, doesn't desire us to do things uh, just because God woke up one day and said, well, you know, I, I think I'm going to ask them or to do this. Or, you know what, T today I just feel like I want to be worship. That's not the way God works. There's a there's a reason behind everything. Mm -hmm. And that begins to expand. When we begin to ask that question, it begins to expand not only our understanding and appreciation of things like worship, but it helps us to address worship needs of how do we do worship? Uh, how should we be meeting things of that nature? Because the, the answer to why directly affects the how. Right? How do we worship ought to be in pursuit of achieving the whys of worship. Mm. And so that's why why is so important, because it directly impacts how do we worship. And that's everything from our meeting together and stuff like that that we've had to address in COVID to, you know, how do we organize worship? How do we pick out songs? How do we decide how many songs to sing, you know, how, how do we decide what time to meet? All of those things of how to worship, I think, have to be in service of the big why we worship, of the ultimate purpose of worship. And so 
I think asking this question impacts everything that we do in the area of worship. Before we get into that, that why and the, the purpose of worship there, I think the common theme running through uh, your uh, list here of what worshiping worship looks like, uh, the, the thing that resonated with me most uh, was, and, and you didn't use this word, but this is the word that came to mind, that worship for the most part, especially if we're not careful, becomes purely ritualistic. It is the the elements of the what are we supposed to do just ritual, which is uh, of the two words that we get uh, translated in the New Testament as worship. Uh, the one in Romans 12, I think it's 2, uh, which is your spiritual service or spiritual act of worship, as it's sometimes translated, is this very ritualistic idea. I think we get really fixated on what we're supposed to do that we lose all of, as you said here, the the why, the heart behind it, the purpose behind it. Uh, and if you have one and not the other, whichever one you pick, uh, you end up with a very, very empty worship uh, that doesn't mean all that much. So, uh, and as you, as you said, then you end up worshiping worship as yeah, opposed that- to worshiping God. That's an excellent point. It's, you know, Jesus warns us about vain repetition mm-hmm. in regards to prayer, but we can have vain repetition in regards to worship, right? Yeah. We're, which and, is kind of that rit- ritualistic idea of, where, hey, we're just repeating the same thing every week, every Sunday, and without any thought of the purpose, of the why behind this, and I, it becomes that kind of vain ritualistic repetition, and nothing, when we do that, nothing comes out of it. Nothing's gained, nothing's really done. We just kind of go through the motions and go home and try it again next week. So let's talk about what should come out of it. Uh, what, what's the why? What is the purpose behind worship? So a theme that you will see in every single one of our discussions in this series is that the purpose of Literally everything that we do as Christians is for transformation. That's and that's what worship is. Worship is meant to ultimately result in transformation. That is, we ought to be leaving worship having been transformed to look more like God. And in this regard, my favorite passage to go to is Colossians chapter three, verses one through seventeen. And in that section what Paul is doing is he's talking about putting off the old self and putting on the new self through baptism. It opens up with baptismal language of dying and rising with Christ. And Paul's point in in essence is you've made the decision to be baptized, to clothe yourself with Christ, to put yourself into Christ, to become a citizen of the kingdom. And in doing that, you've made the decision to put off the old self, the self of the world, the self of sin, the self before identifying yourself with Christ, and you've made the decision to put on this new self, this self that's now characteristic of your new life in Christ, your new life as a citizen of the kingdom. And in this discussion, Paul says that the entire purpose, the goal of this new self, of our new life in Christ, as he says in verse 10, is that our new self is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
In other words, our new life in Christ ought to be a transformation to look more like God. That, that's what our new life is. That's the goal. That's what we're moving towards, to be transformed after the image of our creator, to look more like God, to look more like Christ. And that's because, as most of us probably know, Genesis 1 and verse 27 establishes that all human beings, both male and female, have been created in the image of God. And at some point, we'll probably do a podcast talking more about what it means to be created in the image of God. But in essence, what I think that means is that we're meant to reflect God back into the world. We're, if you will, I like the illustration of it's almost like we're God's mirrors, meant to reflect God back into the world and the things that we do and the things that we say and the way we relate to people and to the creation and to God himself is us reflecting God and God's nature back into the world. The problem is, is that sin has messed all this up, right? It's messed up our ability uh, to bear the image of God. To use the mirror illustration, it's cracked the mirror. And so we no longer perfectly reflect God's image. We still do to a degree. It's like a cracked mirror you can still see a reflection in, but it's not a perfect reflection any longer. I believe that when we do good, anything good that we do is us living out of the part of ourself that's created after the image of God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, right? Scripture tells us that. I think everything good is ultimately finds its origin in God. And so when we as human beings do good things, we're living out of that part of ourself that's created after God, but it's imperfect because none of us are perfect. Everything that we do isn't good. Everything we do isn't adequately reflecting God back into the world. However, in Christ, our image-bearing ability is being restored. We are being transformed into the people that God always created and designed us to be, people who once again fully reflect God's image. What Christ is doing through his death and resurrection for us as Christians is fixing the cracks in our mirror, helping us to better reflect God back into the world. And in Christian tradition, Christian history, and still to this day in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, they refer to this process as deification, as becoming like God. Not hmm. becoming God, but becoming many gods, if you will. That what we're doing, the process that Scripture refers to as sanctification, becoming holy, is being deified, is becoming like God. God is looking like God. Again, not being God, but at least looking like God. And so in this context of our new life, our life that's meant to be transformed to better reflect God, to be transformed into the image of God, in this context, Paul mentions worship as a part of this new life, as a part of this transformation process. In verse 16, there of Colossians chapter 3, uh, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so we, ha we see worship right in the middle of this new life of transformation. And it's interesting that in the very next verse, verse 17, Paul says, And whatever you do, 
in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so what I think we see with this mention of worship by Paul in this context of transformation is that our worship, and by extension our entire new life in Christ, ought to result not just in transformation or look more like God, but in transformation that touches every aspect of our lives. Paul says, in everything that you do, in words or in deeds, in words or in actions, everything should be done in the name of our Lord Jesus, should be done in the name of the God that we're being transformed to better reflect. And a part of that is our worship. Worship plays a role in this transformation process that is meant to touch and impact every single aspect of our lives. And this transformation in the context of worship, the role that worship plays in transformation, is because in worship, we are transformed through an encounter with God through the gathered community or through the church. Uh, You've probably heard lessons and stuff about both a vertical and a horizontal dimension of worship, that there's a vertical part that our worship is directed towards God, right? God is the one that we're worshiping. We're not worshiping ourselves. We're not worshiping an idol. We're not worshiping anything else. Our worship is directed towards God, but there's also a horizontal dimension. Our worship is directed towards one another. I like what Paul says in Ephesians 5 and verse 19 when he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. Now, he's just talking about the singing aspect of worship here, but we see both dimensions, right? He says, in our singing, we're addressing one another, we're building one another up through our worship, but our singing is also addressed to God, right? So in our worship, we're worshiping God, but in the process of worship, we're also building one another up. There's something about our worship, hearing from God through his word, partaking communion, the body and blood of Christ together, singing and praying to God as a community that encourages and builds up and strengthens and edifies other people. So we have both of these aspects. And so when we're worshiping God, we're encountering God. But we're encountering God through the context of a community where other people are pouring into us as well. And so we're able to be transformed because we're encountering God in a vertical dimension, but we're also being poured into by the other people of the gathered community, the other people of the church as we worship together in a community context. Worship is always communal because you have both of those aspects. We're being poured into, we're pouring into others as we direct all of these things towards God and encounter God through the gathered community of believers. And so if we leave worship without being transformed, I I don't know what we did, but it was not worship and it wasn't directed towards God. Because if your worship is directed towards God, if you have an encounter with the living God in worship, the only possible result is transformation. There's nothing... Read every time that someone is encountered by God in Scripture and give me one example of where they weren't transformed in some way, normally actually physically, 
We think of the mountain of transfiguration. Jesus was physically changed. Moses coming off the Mount Sinai and his face was glowing, right? People are literally changed when they come in contact with God. They're transformed. And so if we're not transformed, it wasn't worship. There wasn't an encounter with God. It wasn't a community event pouring into one another as we encounter God. And so it's important, and I want to note, that you'll notice that it's through our focusing on God and other people that we're changed, not through our focusing on ourselves, right? We're not the primary audience of worship. It's an interesting thing. When we go into worship focused on both of those dimensions of worship, where our worship is directed towards God, but we also recognize and seek through what we do in worship to pour into and up and build up one another, right? And that's still a work of God through his spirit and the lives of believers, right? That's how we're able to pour into one another is through that working of the spirit. And when that's our focus, my worship is directed towards God and through my worship, through the work of the spirit in my life and in the this gathered community of believers, I'm also striving to pour into and upbuild the other people who are here through that, I'm changed. I'm not changed by going to worship trying to be changed. I'm changed by encountering God in the context of the community of the body of Christ, the community of God's people. That's what changes me. If I go into worship focused on myself, I'm not going to be transformed. But if I'm focused on God in the context of the community, then I will be changed. And that's so important. First, remember that worship isn't primarily about us. It's about God and it's about others. I don't want to reiterate uh, too much on what you said, but it was it was funny that you brought up the uh, the Moses's face after Mount Sinai, because that's that's what I was thinking in my head is when when we come to worship, it's not one person has ascended the mountain and then here is worship time. They come down and descend and say, here's God. Uh, and here's what God wants and those things. It's we're, we're ascending the mountain together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to meet God. And in that way, we are all going to be changed. Uh, the other funny thing about this um, and Colossians, Colossians and our, and our Ephesians reference, great passages to go to, uh, to, to deal with this uh, new way of living, this new life, uh, and what that means uh, for us practically is... Uh, people changing into the image of God uh, and what that looks like in worship and in other contexts. Uh, But I I referenced earlier one of the words for worship in Romans 12, 2, which is, I I, I didn't check the word. I believe it's liturgical. It's liturgical uh, ritual worship. That's that's the idea. It's It's the priest word for worship. But then you have the other word of proskuneo, which to, to kiss towards, that when we're coming to worship, it is this bowing before the king of our kingdom. Uh, and through that, we're transformed, which oddly enough, uh, it's, it's like Paul knew this uh, when, he wrote the, when he wrote the book. Uh, but he says there in Romans 12, where the ritual word is used, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's that word. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. And that's exactly what you have been talking about this whole time. And, and that's just another section uh, for you that are listening to, to keep in mind that when we come to worship, it's this, uh, yes, part ritual, but part heart and emotion coming before God so that we will be transformed uh, through the encountering with him. And uh, if we lose sight of that, then as, as you said a moment ago there, Spencer, uh, then it's not worship. Right. You may not know what it is, uh, but it, it isn't worship. We, we did something, but I don't know quite what to <laughs> yeah. to call it. And you, you bring up a good point. You know, I mentioned how the how, everything that we do from church, from worship organization to song choice to to uh, sermon text choice to to when, yeah, what time, right. all that stuff is in service of this bigger why. And I think that yes. we have to remember that because too often we separate those two things, right? We we focus on the the how and we forget the the why because the how has to serve the why. And and that's why we have order, you know, uh, the truo from the where we get our word liturgical, right? Like you said, yeah. is the idea of it carries with it the idea of that there is some organization to worship because to accomplish any goal you have to have some kind of structure to accomplish that right and in worship our goal is transformation and so the structure has to help us pursue after that ultimate goal of transformation and that's the idea of liturgical having some kind of order to accomplish this idea of transformation. Now, obviously, it's ultimately up to individuals to make the choice in their minds, in their hearts, by their presence to engage in the worship. Yeah. But the way that we set up worship can either help or hinder individuals in the community as a whole in pursuing this goal of transformation, right? And so you have to have uh, some kind of order to what you're doing if you want to adequately uh, pursue any kind of goal. And, and we understand that whether we're thinking of businesses or families or sports or whatever, there's got to be some kind of order. And then, then you have proscuneo, which is worship, bow down before that kind of idea. And that's what we're doing. We're encountering God and falling before him in worship uh, through an organizational structure that allows us to do that and to be transformed as individuals and ultimately as a community. And so that, that just – my point is that just all goes to show how everything that we do and all the questions that we ask have to serve this bigger picture of why. Why are we here? What are we trying to accomplish? And making sure that everything we do is going towards that goal. If it's not, it probably needs to be thrown out. Yeah, and and if you – uh, and and I won't state it all here, but if you're wanting maybe to do a little extra study on that idea, um, you don't need to look any further than uh, Exodus. Well, you don't need to look any further than the book of Leviticus, which is obviously very ritual in what it lays out in how you worship God. But all that is coming on the heels of Exodus 19 of God saying, here's this covenant because I want you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so it's the the ritual serves the the why. It's I want you to become this thing, image bearers, if we want to say it uh, in another way. Uh, so let's 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 wrap this idea up 
how do we think theologically about uh, not worshiping worship, but worshiping God instead? Yeah, there's three points that I want to just quickly mention, three theological ideas that uh, just kind of flow from what we've talked about regarding the theological purpose, the the why of worship. And first, it's just the recognition that worship can take place anywhere and at any time. When people, when Christians are gathered together and worshiping God, pouring in to one another, worship is taking place uh, whenever and wherever those things are occurring. However, there is something special and significant about our assembly on the first day of the the week. There, there's something yeah. powerful. There's something special about the entire church body in a given location gathering together for the purpose of worship that I don't believe can be found at simply at a a church camp or uh, in your home or anything like that. That's not again. That's not saying that those things aren't worship. Those things aren't transformative. They are. They are worship. They are transformative. They are powerful. They do accomplish very important things that sometimes can't be accomplished anywhere else. Right. I, I think there's things that you're able to do in smaller, more intimate settings that can't be done in bigger settings. And so I, I don't want to dismiss those at all. But there is something special, there is something powerful, there is something significant about our gathering together as the corporate body in a given location on the first day of the week, which is the why behind why we gather together on Sundays. Because there's something special, there's something that happens there that can't be found in other places. And there's stuff in other places that can't be found on a Sunday morning. Like I said, there's stuff that you can do in an intimate gathering that you really can't do in a bigger gathering. But like I said, there's something special, significant, powerful about when the entire church gathers together. And so uh, we, we must remember that the point of worship is not just together at a building to simply go through our acts of worship, but that the point of worship is to gather together with fellow Christians no matter how large that gathering may be, for the purpose of encountering God and building up one another for the ultimate goal of being transformed to better reflect the image of God. And I said this in our last one, and I'll end with this thought of that everything that we're saying is not saying whether it's COVID or any other situation, what churches should or shouldn't do in this case in the area of worship. And by that, I mean whether when should you go back, should you have stopped meeting for a time, that kind of thing. That's not what we're addressing. I'm simply We're simply wanting to encourage people as they ask those questions and more questions, the, the, the hows. How should we organize our acts of worship? Uh, how should we choose songs? How should we do all these different things? That all of those questions are being asked in light of the bigger question of why, the bigger purpose of worship, that all those other things that we do are in service of being transformed to better reflect the image of God through an encounter with God in the context of the church community. Yep. Beautifully said there. And uh, to just add on to what you said uh, there at the end, uh, the point of these episodes is not to tell you what to do, but to try to think through 
things theologically and uh, navigate that thing, navigate that with you. Uh, and uh, if you enjoyed this discussion uh, or didn't like this discussion, maybe you think that we're trying to tell you what to do. Uh, we're not. We're, we're all trying to figure this thing out together. That's part of the communal aspect of all of this. Uh, we, are, we are in this thing uh, together uh, in worship, in life, in trying to uh, become one of God's uh, image bearers and accurately reflect him uh, in the world. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback on this episode, past episodes, uh, what you would like to see for future episodes. You can email us at strongchurchministries at gmail.com, get a hold of us on Facebook, uh, or even go and follow and message Spencer on on Twitter. Hopefully you get more than one this week. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Jack. That's Spencer. We'll see you next time.